0: as I was listening to the words of the Gospel of John this morning, the third chapter, the first of the 16th verses, I remembered some things about Nicodemus that I find just fascinating that I've got to share with you as we get started this morning. Do you remember the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, Master, What must I do to have eternal life? And then Jesus looked and he said, well, you know, the commandments. And he said, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, honor your father. I've kept those from my youth up. And then that's when it said that Jesus looked at him and loved him. He said, one thing thou lackest, go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor and then come follow me. And it says that that rich young ruler turned and walked away sorrowful because he had great wealth. And a lot of people just think the story ends there. You know, historians have discovered that there was a young man, the youngest person that ever uh, occupied a seat on the Sanhedrin. He was the, and he was one of the richest men in all of Judea. And guess what his name was? Nicodemus. Now, if you look at it that way and you realize that this rich young ruler was Nicodemus, we see this is the second of three times that we see Nicodemus in scripture. First of all, we see Nicodemus coming to Jesus under the cover of darkness with questions. He knew that Jesus was from God. And then we see him come to Jesus again. What must I do? He tells him. He walks away. Now, I like the part where Jesus just watches him leave. He didn't run, grab him and shake him and say, you dummy. Didn't you hear what I said? Instead, he laid out before him what he needed to do. He gave him the information that he needed. And then he lovingly respected his choice. This is something a lot of us parents need to do. We need to learn how to uh, just give our kids the information and then trust that the Holy Spirit's going to work in them to make the right choice. But that be that as it may. He turned and he went away. The next time we see Nicodemus, we see him and Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea lovingly taking Jesus' body and placing it in the tomb. It turns out historians have discovered that this rich young ruler named Nicodemus heeded those words of Jesus. He sold everything he had and became a follower of Christ. That's the rest of the story as far as Nicodemus goes. Well, today we're going to continue this Easter morning looking at the Apostles' Creed, and I couldn't find a better time to share with you the last line in the Apostles' Creed, where it says, Now, we'll get this exactly right. I believe in the life everlasting. When we stood and said the creed earlier, that's the last word of the creed that we said. And here on this Easter morning, we remember that when God raised Jesus from the dead, he confirmed every word that Jesus spoke to us while he was with us. And these words that we hear in the third chapter of the Gospel of John are true. They are words that Jesus spoke that have been validated by Scripture. I'm not by Scripture, by God raising Jesus from the dead. And I refer you especially to John 3.16. And if you know it, say it along with me. For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, everlasting life. That's a big thing that we just say so flippantly in the Apostles Creed. Let's pray. Oh Lord and our God, as we study your word this morning, we ask you to open our eyes to behold the wonderful truth in it, especially this day. Show us by your spirit what it is to confess to believe in the life everlasting. Show us what Jesus means when he speaks of eternal life and how he brings that about. This we pray in Jesus' name. When Jesus came, or when Nicodemus came to uh, Jesus that day he was confused about the new life that Jesus was offering. He was confused about Jesus' teaching regarding new life, new birth, and eternal life and he came to Jesus wanting some clarification, and many today are confused about eternal life and what Jesus has to say about it some christian some view. The Christian teaching of eternal life to be just a case of pie in the sky. Uh, they look on these poor Christians and think they just can't quite cope with life and they can't qu- cope with mortality. And so they uh, cling to these things for some sort of comfort. Say, well, it's okay. It'll be better uh, in heaven. It's a coping mechanism, many people think. But as we look at the Bible, we see that eternal life is far from escapism. The biblical view of eternal life is built on utter realism, not only about this life, but about our experience of Jesus in this life. And so this morning, I want to share with uh, you, know, four things that are tied to our affirmation of eternal life. First of all, eternal life begins in the here and now. Second, eternal life is a saving relationship with Jesus. Thirdly, eternal life is forever. I know that sounds redundant, but some people just don't grasp that. And finally, how is it that one steps into eternal life? First of all, I want us to look at the fact that believers have eternal life now in Jesus Christ. In 1 John 5:12, we read these words, "He who has the son has the life." Now notice the tense of the verbs. He who has the son has life. Not he who has the son will have the life, or he who believes in the Son now will have eternal life later. But it says, he who believes the Son has eternal life now. John loves to talk about eternal life. I didn't notice this until I was preparing for this sermon this time. My goodness, 41 years, and I still learn something new every time I study the Bible. Uh, he uses this term, eternal life, 50 or so times in his writings. In 1 John, uh, we see, just as just as he begun the gospel, speaking of life and eternal life. And so he begins this little letter in 1 John, What was from the beginning? what we heard. And again, we see this is an eyewitness account. Listen, what we have seen with our eyes, John is attesting to what he saw. This is a firsthand account. This is a man that was with Jesus after he was raised from the dead, who spent 40 days with him after the resurrection. And he says, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Back in 1st John 5, uh, 11, And in 13, the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life, and he who does not have the Son does not have the life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have, you see, in the here and now, that you have, that you grasp eternal life. John talks a lot about eternal life, and we see it also in the gospel. In, in John 1, 4, he says, And the word, talking of Jesus, was made flesh and dwelt among us. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. In John 3.16, which we read earlier, he speaks of believing in Christ and having eternal life. The theme of uh, John is in the, uh, in the gospel of John, the 20th chapter the 31st verse, where John says that he has chosen to write the things that he has chosen to write in his gospel For this reason, now listen to this, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So you see, eternal life is a standing concern for the gospel of John. And the background to John's teaching about eternal life is very important and it's found in the Old Testament naturally. Now, listen, it, it would be natural, I'll say naturally, because it's drawn from what he heard from Jesus. If you'll recall, on that first resurrection day, there were some guys walking along and all of a sudden they were joined by Jesus. And uh, Here we begin to Luke 24, the 24th verse. Here's part of the account of the walk to Emmaus uh, account. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. These are the the two men talking to uh, Jesus. Some of those who are with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women also had said. But him, speaking of Jesus, they did not see. And he said to them, Now, this is Jesus talking to these two pilgrims on the road to Emmaus. Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Now, see, he's talking about the Old Testament. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And listen to this. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets... He explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. You see Jesus all through in every book of the Old Testament. And this is what Jesus spent 40 days going over with his disciples after he was raised from the dead. He was showing them. In fact, uh, in Luke, the 24th chapter, started with the 44th verse, we read this. This is after he has come to his disciples, and they're they're actually sitting around having a fish fry. Uh, he's uh, started. He, he's he's prepared some fish for them, and they're sitting around eating. Now he said to them, "These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled." Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. As you look through the Old Testament, you find things such as in Daniel 12, 2, where Daniel speaks of the future resurrection of the dead. He says, some will be raised to everlasting life. The Greek phrase that he uses to speak of everlasting life is probably the verse from which John and the other New Testament writers draw their phrase, eternal life. So John's teaching on the eternal life is squarely based in the Old Testament, as received from Jesus himself. But note several very distinct differences. In the Judaism of Jesus' day and John's day, There are two big differences uh, about eternal life. One says that eternal life does not begin until the final day of the Lord. It's only when the future judgment comes that eternal life begins. The second is that eternal life is found in the keeping of the Torah and keeping the law. And uh, the Jews of that day held that that is where you found eternal life. But... John makes it clear, first of all, that eternal life does not start later. And in fact, Jesus himself, quoted by John, makes this clear. But it starts now in Jesus Christ. When you believe on Jesus Christ, the age to come breaks into your experience and you begin to experience now the life to come. Secondly, John says, no, you don't find eternal life by practicing the law. You find eternal life in Christ alone. So against that backdrop of Jewish teaching, John sets forth Jesus' person and work in terms of Jesus fulfilling these Old Testament hopes and predictions regarding eternal life. Eternal life is in jesus when you trust in jesus the life of the age begins to break forth in your life we are now already experiencing some of the glory not all the glory to be sure but some of the glories of the age to come eternal life is now you see it's not just the sweet by and by True believers will attest to this because you see, there is a tangible difference and they will make it clear. There's a tangible difference in my life now. It's not subjective, but it's objective, not just something that I feel or perceive, but it's a reality that has been brought into being in my experience through Jesus Christ. I experience eternal life Now, somehow I know that since I have come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, my life goes on forever and it changes everything. Second part of this is believers value their relationship with Jesus above all else. The relationship with Jesus is the source, you see, of eternal life. In fact, it's the essence of eternal life. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 1.22, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, he's already experiencing the presence of Christ in this life, And that eternal life that he's beginning to experience is going to go on forever. John and Paul both agree that believers value their relationship with Jesus above everything and everyone else. Eternal life is not the same as endless existence. There's a big difference. Eternal life is more than endless existence. It is entering into the joy of Jesus and into the joy of knowing him and fellowshipping with him forevermore. Being with Jesus is the essence of heaven. It is what the life everlasting is really all about. There may be a hundred people that you want to see when you get to heaven. And that is perfectly appropriate. But there is no one that the believer wants to be with more than Jesus. I've shared with you that I'm going to be conducting a celebration of my first cousin's life uh, this next, oh, uh, well, tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. And uh, I've shared with you how there were some cousins that I would go and visit in Beaumont, and I shared with you how I used to hate to leave Beaumont and go back to Cleveland because uh, I just didn't want to stop playing. But I'd have to get in the car and go, and on the way home, I'd fall asleep. Every time, just about, when I was little, I'd fall asleep, and whenever I'd wake up, I wouldn't be in the car anymore. I'd be in my bed at home, when I fell asleep, when we got home, my father would pick me up in his arms and take me and put me in bed and I'd be home. That's what death is like for us. We go to sleep. Our Heavenly Father takes us in his arms and when we wake up, we're really, really home. Well, Kevin went to sleep last Sunday and when he woke up, He was home. And you know what? We should all envy Kevin. Kevin is spending Easter with Jesus. Can you imagine anything better than that for a believer than to spend Easter with Jesus? Wow, must be a great day today in heaven. Well, you see, Kevin was a believer. His life began in the here and now, his life with the Lord began. His eternal life has gone on. And so it does it is with each one of us. It begins in the here and now, and then it moves on. Third thing, eternal life is forever. It's also true that uh, we boldly affirm that eternal life is does last forever. It is now, it is in Jesus Christ, but it is also forever. That's a long time, you know? I've been thinking about that this past week. We sing the song, When We've Been There 10,000 Years, Bright, Shining as the Sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. You know, To us, a hundred years is a long time. Imagine a thousand years. Imagine 10,000 years. Imagine a million years and you're just getting started. You know, whenever you stop and think about eternity and eternal life, it is a mind boggling thing. There is no end to it. It just keeps on going. Anyway, I'm not going to say anything about the Energizer Bunny now. But anyway, uh, in 1 Thessalonians, uh, verse 17, we read these words. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, and listen to this, so we shall always be with the Lord. Always. That's a big word. Always be with the Lord. In verse 18, Paul says that he's uh, saying this so that you can comfort one another. He knew that there were believers in the church who had lost loved ones, and he wants to give them a word of comfort. And so he's explaining uh, to them how both believers who have passed on and believers who are alive, when Jesus comes back, will both be raised into the air to meet the Lord and dwell with him forever. So if you didn't get the fact that eternal life is forever just from this phrase, eternal life, you get it from Paul. We will always be with the Lord. It's not a temporary thing. It's not a long time. It's always in John eleven twenty five, 25, in the middle of the story of Lazarus, Jesus says these words. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Eternal life is forever. It is ongoing. And believers look forward to it, not because we experience no joy here. We do. Not because we have no taste of God's final glory here. We do. But precisely because we do. Believers find joy here from knowing God. And that's why you meet believers whose lives are falling apart, and yet they know God, and you see the joy of Christ in their hearts and in their lives, even though their times at the moment may be tough You see, the Christian's longing for eternal life is not escapism. In fact, the Christian can't escape the longing for uh, eternal life because God says in Ecclesiastes that he implanted eternity in all of our hearts. None of us can not think about eternal life. We're built to think about what lies ahead. God has put that there. The Christian is not escaping from reality. He is escaping to reality. And the Christian in every good thing and every hard thing in this life is moved to long for eternal life. You see, it's not escapism. It is realism. We, fall, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where we know that things aren't right. They're not the way they're supposed to be. And it makes us long to be with God. You know, you've had those experiences where there may be something that goes well. And you say, Lord, I just don't want this to stop. But it always does, doesn't it? What does that experience do? it leads you to long for the place where it will never stop. Or it may be the experience of, Lord, I didn't want this to start. And it leads you to say, Lord, take me from this place. This place, take me to a place where this will never happen again. In Christ, believers live happily ever after. Last thing I want to share with you this morning. Only those who put their trust in Christ have and will have eternal life. Here's how you enter eternal life. Eternal life is relationship with Jesus Christ. Eternal life is forever. But how do you get it? Well, back in John, the third chapter, where we started out, Those who believe in Jesus have and will have eternal life. There's no salvation apart from him. Paul didn't make that up. Peter did not make that up. No other author of the New Testament made that up. Jesus asserted it, and it's been made clear that it's true by Jesus being raised from the dead And these words of his being validated, this is a Jesus claim. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Those words have been confirmed by Jesus being raised from the dead. I recently read a transcript of Phil Donahue, Rabbi Shmuley Botich, And Al Mohler arguing about this very thing. And the Jewish rabbi was very offended by Al Mohler's uh, assertion that Jesus is the only way. It makes him very angry in this dialogue or this uh, discussion they're having. And he says, you're going to ruin Jesus' reputation talking that way. Now, that's an interesting statement, don't you think? Because it is Jesus himself who said this. There's nothing mean about it. And the rabbi was trying to make Mueller sound like he was being mean and hateful. Understand that people who view that as hate speech don't understand the intent of the speech. When I say that Jesus is the only way, it's not to hurt people. I'm saying that Jesus is the only way because I don't want people to hurt or to be hurt. If the building is burning down and you say, Get out of here, it's burning down, there's no hate speech in that. Now, somebody may want to argue with you about whether it's technically burning down or not, but they'd be missing the point if they wanted to argue about that, wouldn't they? It's not hate speech to tell somebody that there is a future end for every human being and that it's either one of everlasting bliss or condemnation. And only in Jesus can you find everlasting bliss. And brother and sister, I want every one of you to experience that. What's hateful about that? It's not arrogant either. Because we didn't think it up. We're just saying what our Lord has said. Who are we to think up something better than Jesus? And so what does he say? Whoever believes will in him have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth In him should not perish but have eternal life. This Easter morning, we celebrate the reason we can believe these words of Jesus. When God raised him from the dead, he put his seal of approval on every word. Let's pray. O Lord and our God, by your mercy and grace, enable us to believe unto everlasting life in Jesus' name. Amen.